Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. After a three-year absence because of COVID-19, the World Press Photo Exhibition has returned to Auckland this year to show the best of more than 60,000 entries from professional photojournalists across the globe. Our producer Justin Gregory went down to the exhibition in Auckland's Queen Street and spoke to the exhibit's curator, Marika Kukrovsky. Yeah, so this is where we've just set up the 2023 edition of the World Press Photo Exhibition and we're back in Auckland after a little pause. Marika says this pause was an opportunity to reflect on the systems the exhibition has previously used to judge and award winners for the various categories. There was a huge emphasis with this change to focus on local photographers. So the way we've identified local is someone who's um, from the actual community or country itself or someone that's lived in the region for over 10 years. Um, So we want to ensure that the stories that are being told are being told by the people who know these, these, these communities better. So anyone can go and take photographs, but um, if it's someone from the community, there's kind of a more personal uh, approach, um, more sensitivity, um, and the results we've seen um, last year, after our first year of implementing these changes, we had 19 local photographers out of 24, uh, and this year we have 16. So this is a number we're, we're very proud about. Marika says this new approach has led to a greater variety amongst the winners, but still clear themes emerged across the global categories. One kind of constant, I would say, is environment um, and climate change and its effect on um, communities all around the world. And this has been, you know, for the last however many years, it's a huge theme. Uh, We have stories about, well, behind us there, there's an image of uh, beekeepers. And actually what's unique about that project by Jonas Kako is that these beekeepers are forced to water the bees, so essentially give water to bees because um, the river nearby, the Colorado River, is um, drying out. All around the world, climate change is such a huge, huge issue. But while many of the winning photographers were focused on subjects of displacement, conflict and tragedy, that didn't mean the images themselves were always tragic. As he was walking around with Marika, Justin's eye was struck by the image of an alpaca. What on earth is happening to the <laughs> Exactly. So this is a project by... Excuse me, an alpaca. <laughs> yeah, an alpaca. Um, this is by Alessandro Cinque, also an Italian photographer. And it's about alpaqueros. So these are alpaca farmers in Peru. And um, for the alpaqueros, these farmers, uh, alpacas are hugely important, not only like because of their culture and their traditions, but also as a source of income. So they sell the wool of these alpacas. And as a result, again, of climate change, um, these alpacas and their farmers are forced to go into higher and higher altitudes because alpacas thrive in colder temperatures. Well, along with having to go higher and higher up, these, this community is also um, coming up with, a, it's a very scientific project as well, where they're creating new species that are a little bit more resilient to climate change um, so that these alpacas can still survive in warmer um, temperatures. So it's quite a, um, an interesting um, 
series. You can see here this is an alpaca that's um, having surgery at an IVF, actually. <laughs> There's also an image here of... For the series, <laughs> there's a slight comic element, isn't there? That's I mean, exactly it. Alpacas are just slightly comedic. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's, that's precisely it. So um, there's a small fetus here of an mm. alpaca. And basically, for the jury, what stood out was they said that this was a very humorous, a very playful kind of series. So um, it also, within the context of the exhibition, all the other images that you look at, something like this really... Um, provides a sense of relief and you know it's it's quite a uplifting story so that's what the jury said about it but you said it was your favorite why mm -hmm. is it your favorite because i also i think it's quite hilarious just <laughs> like when you approached it you thought you know you kind of can't help but laugh like what is going on i don't know if it's the nature <laughs> of alpacas being funny but um i also just i think they kind of look like dogs and they just they make me laugh i <laughs> yeah they do don't they yeah and at the other end of the spectrum mm -hmm. what's something that doesn't make you laugh well, uh, I think it's important to talk about Ukraine, so uh, we can head over there. Um, within the region of Europe, so within one of the basically the categories how we divided the contest, uh, we had an overwhelming number of images come from Ukraine, um, which is perhaps not a surprise as there were so many journalists that were there at the time. Um, and now we're looking at the photo of the year. So this is kind of the the main prize um, since 1955, we've always had a photo of the year. This year it's been awarded to Evgeny Maloletka, a Ukrainian photographer. And what we're looking at is, um, well, it's really an incredibly um, moving um, image of a woman who's pregnant being carried on a stretcher out of rubble. You can see that there was just an explosion nearby. And this is because there was a Russian airstrike on a maternity hospital. And um, the woman on the stretcher is Irina Kalinina. She's 32 years old. And um, you can see that she's been injured. And she's being taken away. And unfortunately, um, after this photograph was taken, her son was born stillborn. And 30 minutes later, Irina tragically passed away herself. Um, so it's, it never gets easier to look at this image. Um, and the reason the jury selected this as photo of the year is because it shows the absurdity of war and how civilians are often the ones who take the greatest toll, have, have to uh, suffer the, the most in this kind of conflict. Um, and also it shows uh, kind of like an attack on future generations of Ukrainians. What's the goal of the traveling exhibition when people come to see images like this or images of alpacas mm -hmm. or images of climate change? Mm -hmm. what, are the, what are the seeds you're hoping to cast into mm -hmm. the wind? We hope that the exhibition um, and these images help people stop, feel, think, and act. So, of course, we see these images, you know, if you open your sm smartphones and you open your laptop, you see these kinds of images. But seeing it in this kind of setting um, really kind of invites visitors to slow down, engage with the stories on a different level. So you read the captions, um, you take time to look at this photograph. Um, of course, some of them are very, very difficult to look at. Um, but I think it, it just provides a, a great sense of awareness of what's happening around the world. And uh, we really want to foster this idea of uh, mutual understanding. So that's kind of one of the aims. Among the standouts at this year's awards was Egyptian photographer Mohammed Mahadi. His photo series looks at a small fishing community in the neighborhood of Al-Maks, Alexandria. Two years ago, the Egyptian government began evicting members of this community and relocating them to housing that's several kilometers away from the canals, citing the risk of rising sea levels. 
Already a third of the community have been relocated, but not all the residents believe these evictions are really necessary. Mohammed named his series Here the Doors Don't Know Me and says the name was inspired by his conversations with one of the women in Al-Max. They were living in, in a house and that house got uh, demolished. So when I visited them again, like the government uh, put them in a temporary room and I was telling her, but this sounds bad or not good. And she said, but even if they removed me again from here, I will not be sad. I was sad like in my old house, the house that I've built with my husband. And now if they moved me from here, I don't care because here the doors do not know me and the windows do not recognize me. And that was at this moment like, wow, this is like, this is perfect. You know, like the people are dealing with their old houses, not and not like, it's not like an object, you know, it's kind of a living thing. The doors know them and the windows know them and they are close to each other. So yeah, this is where the title uh, came from. Because the Almax community are undergoing an awful lot of change, aren't they? And it sounds like even more change is coming. Can you tell me a bit about that community, their way of life and your connection to them, please? Yes, of course. Um, so the community is a community of fishermen in the west of Alexandria. I live close to them like like 10 minutes. And and when I started the project in 2016, I did because like it was an area for us that we go and, and practice photography when we started because like the beauty and, and the vibe of, of the Italian Venice, even they call it like the little Venice of, of Alexandria uh, because the way it looked like um, the Italian Venice. So I was there until I met people and the people were speaking about that they will be moved soon with no uh, official reason. And you just ask yourself why, because this is their living. Like they wake up every day, their boats in front of their houses and they go and they fish. And even if you are not a fisherman in the area, you work somehow in a restaurant or, or to sell fish or to do something to help um, the fishers who, who are doing that. So, so the communities kind of felt like a stronger, you know, like they are working together, even even the poor one, the ones that you do not have any money, you find out at the end of, of every day when the fish are coming out of the sea, they give them uh, a lot of fish, at least to eat. So it was a really, really strong community. And back then I decided, okay, let's Let's document what's going on, maybe the daily life and 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 what's happening, um, because them or me, we didn't know what's going to happen in in the future, and and we just said like, okay, we just need to document what's what's there now, and we will see what's going to um, change. As a documentary photographer, you believe that this is your responsibility to save memories for the next generations and 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 all of that what we believe in. But I was doing that from my perspective until I I met one of the fishers who told me something that changed the whole project. He told me that fishers who used to live on, on the shore used to receive uh, letters in bottles from the sea. And when I Google that and when I talked with them about the letters from the sea, it's usually when you write a love letter or a poem and, and you send it in the sea and you hope that it will arrive to someone you love or at, at least you speak about something that um, like no one will understand when, 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 when you write about it or when you speak about it. And I decided why I'm narrating the story in my perspective. So now I decided like, okay, so people on the shore are the one who deserve to send letters to the whole world, not to receive ones. So why not giving uh, the protagonist like blank papers and asking them that this is your last letter, write whatever you want. I and I do not give them any direction. And actually, it was beautiful because when I started to gather those letters, 
Like you find in one letter that someone is speaking about um, his wife or someone speaking about the house he built or someone speaking about his daughter or someone speaking about uh, like the tree he planted or she planted. And and it was beautiful, you know, to just see the diversity and in, in, in the memories, what what everyone desire or what everyone will, uh, will remember from the area. And I started to photograph them based on what's inside the letter by asking also them, how do you want to be represented? How do you want the world to see you? And to be honest, this perspective was more ethical to me because usually documentary photographers, we go and we want to narrate our perspective, but to empower people at this period, I felt this is the right thing to do. It's a pretty desperate picture at the moment and there's a lot of unhappiness and, and unsettlement, but I keep feeling like the act of the metaphor, a letter inside a bottle and casting it out into the world and hoping that it will come back to you, it's a, it's a hopeful act. Personally, I do not believe in hope. Like I believe in, in working hard, you know, do whatever you can and whatever meant to happen, it will happen. This is my beliefs. But like the idea of, of making uh, C letters is also kind of a way to protect the protagonist and to protect myself. As here, like, as you might know, it's, it's dangerous to talk a lot about politics, which is also something I think a lot in every project I do. Sometimes I reach to a lot of document, which is dangerous, you know, and it would make a lot of conversation and discussions, but I always have to figure out a way to present them without harming the protagonist or harming myself or, or my or my personal family. So the idea of the letter is just a way, you know, to be away from politics, but at the same time, it will create question. Like when someone goes and read people's memories, he will question why they are leaving. And I do not want to give an answers in this project right now. I just want people to feel the urge or responsibility to, to dig and to learn about what's going on. And actually it's happening right now. There is a lot of visits to the area in Egypt, like they are coming and, and sit with the protagonist. There is even more journalists are coming now and documenting. And it's all of that, it's good, you know, it's, it's, it's for now, it's good that at least people feel that someone are listening because they do not need money. This is not the help that they want. They need this feeling of at least someone like standing right next to them. They are not fighting alone. That was Mohammed Mahadi speaking with our producer, Justin Gregory. World Press Photo Exhibition runs until the 22nd of August, and that was Justin Gregory talking to Marika Kukrovsky and Mohammed Mahadi. I'm Kadambri Raghukumar, and each week I produce the Voices podcast. You'll find us on the RNZ website and all your favourite podcast platforms, along with a host of other great RNZ series. This episode was mixed by Daniel Hurley. Thanks for listening. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.